Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm joined today by my husband and co-host. Good morning, Josiah. How hey, are you? Hey, everybody. I'm doing well. Micah, how are you doing? Hey, we are alive and we're feeling good. So we are praying, we are wanting breakthrough. So I'm alive and I'm proud to be here and I'm happy to be here. So (laughs) just to kick things off, I know that you guys on the other end are listening and you are wondering who in the world are we going to interview today? And Josiah has come across this individual back in 2016 and just seen amazing things happen. So Josiah, I know that you are excited. So why don't you introduce our guest to the audience today? For sure. So today we're going to be joined by Dave Adamson, or as I like to call him, Aussie Dave. (laughs) Aussie Dave is a social media pastor at North Point Community Church. He's also a YouTuber, speaker, photographer, and author. And I looked back and I have a way to find out of when did I first cross paths with somebody online. And I looked at the date was 2016. And Dave, you're the first person that I ever saw in 2016 or around that time who was an online pastor or a social media pastor and both. And now, by the way, it's 2020 and there's several of them. Mm -hmm. I see that it's quite popular now, but you were the first that I saw. And I just look at this, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us today. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. 2016, wow, that seems so long ago. It was one Olympic season, right? But, but that just seems like it was so long now. I actually was a, I first became an online pastor in 2008 when I went into full-time ministry. Wow. My first job in full-time ministry was 2008. And I'd moved across from Australia to New Jersey to become a, an online pastor and had never heard of this thing before. And I remember <laughs> when I landed and I just started, you know, we, had to, we had to build the platform, we had to build the team around what church online would look like, what, what's the philosophy, what's the strategy. And so I remember uh, I had made, tried to make some connections with a guy named Brandon Donaldson, who's at, at Life Church. He was yeah. their online pastor and he invited me to a group of online pastors in the US. There was a Facebook page that only had, I was the ninth person to step into it. Um, And then when the 10th person hit, we capped it. And so we were like the first 10 online pastors in, in the U S but now, you know, just, well, even, even you look a month ago, almost all churches have some sort of live stream. And now in the past week with the coronavirus and and everything like that, I mean, everybody is scrambling to get this technology up and running. So it's, it's interesting times for sure. Well, and we said before we hit record, in light of what's happening in our world, literally right now this month, March, almost April 2020, in light of COVID-19, churches are rapidly making shifts to double down Mm -hmm. on their online strategy. So we're going to be talking about that. We have an interview planned. This was scheduled, but I think the Lord knew that this is the time that, and, and we have the time and space. So let's jump in. Yeah. All right. Should we go here? All right. Well, we're going to start with your story, Dave. Do you mind sharing with the audience what from maybe what in the world possessed you to leave? I've never been down under. I've never been to Australia, <laughs> but I that's on my bucket list. Yes. But to leave that and come to America, to be one of the 
first 10, could you just share a little bit about your story, maybe how God captured yeah. your heart, how social media entered, and then we'll dive into the conversation of a little more, you know, in depth. Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, I'd like to hear you say down under again. Were you trying to do an Australian accent, Micah? No, that's my North Dakotan accent. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're from Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, <laughs> we are. I am. So, uh, down under. Oh, there you go. I think it's. I think now it makes sense. It's. It's crossing over from. <laughs> One barter uh, away, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I grew up in a. Here's a thumbnail of my 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 story, um, and and I've shared this a few times in a, in in a, in churches, and I've shared it in youth camps and prisons and schools and all sorts of things. But I'm going to give you the condensed version. If you want to get the longer version, you, I've got a YouTube video out where, where of me preaching my, my testimony. But essentially, I grew up in a church where, uh, sorry, I grew up in a family that was completely unchurched. Um, both my parents were, um, you know, in and out of prison. Um, and so my brothers and sisters, uh, we were very disconnected, dis, uh, a very disconnected family. And um, you know, as I grew up, um, I, I did the usual sort of things. But when I was about six years old, um, I got uh, sexually abused. And that lasted from the age of six till about uh, 11 or 12. And obviously, that had a huge impact on, on my life and still continues to have an impact. Um, but it had an impact on me as a kid, especially because I was shy and withdrawn. And as a result of that, because, you know, I was so scared and anxious and fearful all the time, I got bullied a lot in school. And so my whole childhood growing up, um, you know, it was like it was a different person. As I look back now, it was a different person. And so I didn't know anything about Jesus, didn't know anything about the church. And then um, I was a senior, uh, senior in high school when I got stuck doing a project with the the school Christian. I went to a public school and we had one Christian in the whole school and I got stuck doing a project with him, which was like a five or six week project. And, and I remember this kid, he had Bible verses written all over his bag and he had Jesus written everywhere. And he was the, the only kid in school who got bullied more than me. Um, And that was because of his faith. And so I get stuck with him. And so what I realized was I've got an opportunity here to ask him a whole bunch of questions. And I just asked him questions and I've always been a curious person. I've always been an inquisitive person. That's my new word for it. I used to say I was always skeptical, but my wife has encouraged me to shift it from being skeptical skeptical to being curious. And so I just asked him a whole bunch of questions. And to this kid's credit, he answered questions. And if he didn't have an answer, he would say, hey, I don't know, but let's figure that out together. Or let me ask my dad or something. And his dad was a pastor. And I remember getting invited over to his house for dinner. And for the first time in my life, I saw a family that was functioning wasn't dysfunctional in any way there was a lot of love i felt i felt the love that uh, this guy's dad had for him um and and so that really opened my eyes to a new possibility and the long story short is uh later on in that year i I, he took me to a conference and uh it was an all-day christian conference and i don't know what was said i couldn't tell you what song that was sung or a speaker that spoke all i remember is they did an altar call at the very end of the night um and there was a giant cross on the floor. It was at the Melbourne Tennis Center where the Australian Open is played every single year. 15,000 people in attendance. They make an altar call. And I remember thinking, I'm, there's not a chance in the world. I'm too scared. I'm too timid. I'm too anxious to go down and, and kneel at front of this cross. I'm never going to get up in front of all these people. And I looked over to my friend and he had his head down, his eyes closed, tears streaming from his face. Gosh, it still makes me emotional thinking about it. Um, and I know like the 
I know God said to me in that moment, he is praying for you. And in that moment, I felt such unconditional love and acceptance that I've never experienced before. And the next thing I knew, I was down on the floor of the National Tennis Center in Melbourne, kneeling in front of this cross going, how did I get here? And then somebody said, you're a Christian now. And so I went, okay, so I guess I go to church. And I literally walked two miles to the nearest church the next day, which was a Sunday, walked in and I said, hey, I became a Christian last night. I don't know what that means. Can somebody help me? And so that's where my faith journey really, really started. It started from nothing. And, and almost overnight, I became a completely different person. Like literally the kid that was always inside who had been crushed and, 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 and pushed down started to come out. And, you know, I pursued a career in, uh, in the media, uh, got have a journalism degree and um, started working for a local newspaper. Then I worked for a magazine and then I became the youngest ever editor of Australia's highest selling sports magazine. And from there, uh, a TV, one of the t- three TV networks in Australia came and said, Hey, we think you'd be great as a producer reporter. Would you be interested in that? And so for the last eight years that I was in Australia, I was a TV sports reporter and producer for a show that was basically our equivalent of ESPN sports center. And, you know, I was living my dream life. This was the best. I, I, I married my, my, uh, a girl who I'd met when I was in college and, and we had three beautiful kids and my life was just going up and to the right. And then um, ESPN called me, offered me a job in Connecticut and we thought about moving. And essentially the, the, the long story short on that is my wife and I fasted for a little while and we realized that God was saying no. And so when, when God said no, I was at this crossroad. What do I do with my life? This is the next step in my career. What do I do? So I reached out to a pastor I'd been listening to by podcast in New Jersey. And I said, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is where I'm at in my life. And he said, hey, can you call me? And so I called him and, and he literally, the, we had a great conversation. He said, call me tomorrow. I called him the next day and he said, I think you're the guy I've been looking for. Have you ever thought about coming to the US and going into full-time ministry? And so literally a couple of months later, we sold our house. I quit my career. We sold all of our cars, everything packed up my wife and my three girls and we moved to New Jersey and I became an online pastor. I went into full-time ministry. That's literally how it happened. And God doesn't orchestrate our steps, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So now as I look back, what I realize is this, when it comes to social media and online ministry, right? I really believe that God, God takes the skills that he gives you in your hand and he puts a vision in your heart. And when he combines the two things together, that's when you're in your place, your purpose, you find your purpose. So I knew the skills that I had were media production copywriting, um, doing, doing live crosses on, on national TV, things like that on camera stuff. That was the skills that I had. But the vision I had in my heart was to reach unchurched people. When I moved into this opportunity to be online, what I realized was that was God putting the two things perfectly together, right? Because this is how we reach unchurched people is by leveraging online technology, leveraging things like YouTube, because I, you know, I push YouTube all the time with people because YouTube is the place where people go to find answers for everything from fixing their car to fixing their marriage. So why aren't they going there to find answers about faith as well? And if they are, then we as the church need to be in that space, presenting to them the answers that we know uh, come from the gospels. Right. So I want to go back for just a second, Dave, because yeah. there was a guy, maybe a young teenager being bullied at school in Australia. And some pastor had a vision. Some group of leaders said, we're going to go, 
where they play tennis. And we're going to go, we have a 15,000 person vision and somebody's going to go and they're going to come and they're hurting right now. Mm -hmm. But we are going to go and we're going to be ready to reach that hurting person. And right now there's somebody in Tennessee, there's somebody in Minneapolis, there's 18 to 30 year olds all over the U S all over the Midwest who are hurting Mm-hmm. and they're struggling they're looking for purpose in life they're looking they're asking questions like why am i here who is god what is my life all about and <clears throat> i'll take you to this date december 29 2019 you tweeted and this really caught my attention that in the month of december the phrase how to pray had been searched 20,000 times just that month on youtube mm-hmm. but not one of the first five results were by a church or a pastor. And so, Dave, lean into that, if you will. Mm. Why is it that maybe people don't have a vision for that? Or why is it that nobody's thought to, hey, how do we pray and make videos? Talk about YouTube just a little bit deeper for a second. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's two reasons why I think there's two reasons why when you Google, uh, you know, big questions like that, like how do I pray or how do I study the Bible? There's a, there's I think there's two main reasons why churches and pastors aren't coming up as the answer for those questions. The first one is that up until the COVID nineteen stuff hit and we we all became you know we all became quarantined and and shut ins and and churches had to close their doors a lot of churches just didn't think through how to leverage this online technology to reach people. So, so, so part of the answer, the first part of the answer is we're not in those spaces answering those questions that people have because we haven't thought to need to be there uh, for a large yeah. extent. Now, and that's not all churches, obviously. I, I work at a church that has been doing online streaming for, for, for a decade. Um, and so it's not all churches, but I think a lot of churches just haven't thought through that process of leveraging online um, technologies and online spaces as opportunities to reach people, right? The, the YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, these are the new public squares, right? And throughout church history, we've been called to go into the public places and preach the good news, but we haven't, haven't seen a way to do that or thought that it was, was um, required, I guess. Uh, whereas I came in, into it with a different philosophy. You know, I look at the Apostle Paul and know that he leveraged the technology of his time to reach people who are far from God and connect them to God and teach them biblical principles, right? Technology of his day was letter writing. For those of you who are listening, who don't know what that is, it's when you take a pen and you press it down onto paper and you move your wrists around. Um, Could you slow down? You? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll put a PDF out that, that will teach you how to do that. Um, but that was the technology of his day and he used it to connect people with God and to connect people with each other. And so I just believe that the church today as a pastor, I have to leverage the same, that I have to follow in his footsteps and leverage the technology of my day to connect God with people, uh, connect people with God and connect people with each other. So that's the first part. I think we need to change our philosophy there. The second part is uh, the reason why churches and pastors don't come up on YouTube as those answers is because we don't use YouTube correctly. We leverage YouTube, but the churches that are doing YouTube usually leverage YouTube like we leverage Vimeo, right? Vimeo is the place where we just dump all of our videos so we can get them off our computer. And we know we can call them back and load them up again later on. Whereas YouTube is the second biggest search engine in the world. It is a search engine. 
And so when you put something up there, if you keyword optimize that message, that video, you will get a lot more eyeballs onto it. So that's making a title that, that speaks to a, a felt need that people have. They're the things that I think we need to be doing as a church so that we can get into those public spaces and reach um, a generation that is growing up on YouTube. Part of the reason I'm passionate about this is I've got three teenage daughters. Guess what they do most of their time? watch YouTube videos. They don't watch TV like I watch TV, they watch YouTube. And so my YouTube feeds are filled with BTS and K-pop videos because that's what they're into and they're watching all of these videos on YouTube. So I know that as a dad, if I wanna communicate with them, I need to be in the spaces where they are. And so I'm just trying to be in that space, use the same language that they use and hopefully connect people with God and connect people with each other. That's good. So Dave, if a pastor, a leader, or a church wanted to start a YouTube channel, maybe a live stream on Facebook, Instagram, and begin reaching people online, where would you tell them to start? Because there's a lot of people who may not have a great online presence, yeah. or they may not feel comfortable in front of the camera. Where would you say that the average person should start if they want to kick that off during this time? Yeah, so the average, uh, I think most churches record their uh, Sunday services in some capacity, especially the message, right? Whether they're pushing them to YouTube or pushing them to Vimeo or pushing them to Facebook, we, we typically, most churches, regardless of the size, typically they will record the service in some way, shape or form. So I always say, first thing you, you can do is just post that uh, message only to YouTube, give it a keyword title, talk about what you talked about, uh, talk about the, the felt need that you were answering in that message and give that the title. Then outside of that, I would say, uh, follow this strategy, repurpose on purpose, repurpose so on good. purpose. So take that 35 minute, 40, so let's say it's a 40 minute message, right? Take that 40 minute message and edit it, like spend some time cutting it up into maybe two, three, four smaller chunks that you can post onto YouTube as well. And the reason for that is the average length of a video on YouTube is four minutes and 20 seconds. We have such short attention span. So take that 40 minutes and cut it down to maybe two, three, four minutes, like try to land in that space and do three or four of those if you can and post those on separate days. So you might post on Monday, Sunday's message, Tuesday, short form number one, Wednesday, short form number two. And, and just post some more content out there that answers a really clear, felt, specific need. That's good. That's where I would start. And <clears throat> so let's, let's talk to the group that maybe they are an online pastor and a young adult pastor, and they kind of pair those two together, or they have a college ministry, and they do live mm -hmm. stream, and they're reaching people on campus. What are some ways that they could maybe take that existing online ministry and strengthen it to the next level? Yeah, great question. So I, again, my I don't want to be known as well, maybe I am known as the YouTube pastor, but um, <laughs> I'm always pushing YouTube and I push yeah. YouTube constantly because, you know, YouTube is the second biggest search engine in the world. It's owned by the biggest search engine in the world, Google. And mm -hmm. anybody who's doing online ministry, online anything, if your church has a website, mm -hmm. there's somebody in your church who's thinking about the SEO, the search engine optimization of that website. Guess what? That that's run and owned essentially by Google. Google determines your SEO score. And so because they own YouTube, anytime we post content to YouTube, regardless of if it's a two minute 
um, little short video of, of the, that you use to kick off your message series, if it's the whole message, if it's a story of somebody who's getting baptized, who shared their testimony on stage, if it's um, uh, your, your worship leader singing a song, if it's a YouTube live event, anytime we do that, our SEO gets improved. And so you want to get seen by more people, you get, want to get your content out to a larger audience, then YouTube is the perfect vehicle for you to do that because of the run on impact that it has, the overflow impact that it continually has. That's good. So Dave, what would it look like for like a young adult ministry leader in a smaller setting? Maybe it's rural, urban, suburban, yep. multi-site. Can you just speak into that for a minute? Yeah. Um, so I think the way that it looks is even regardless of the size of your church or the size of the town that you live in, the reality would be and statistics would show that most of the young adults, the teenage 18 to 20 somethings in your town are watching YouTube. Right. Mm -hmm. So get on YouTube. And the best thing you can do is people often will say to me, well, I, I don't do YouTube because I don't have great cameras. I don't have great lighting. I don't. If you have a smartphone, you can get on YouTube. You can do a live stream. In fact, I was talking to a pastor just the other day who was sharing, um, you know, this is a pastor of a decent sized church, 400 or so people. And uh, he was sharing with me that during this COVID-19 lockdown, when the churches uh, couldn't, you know, can't open their doors anymore. He said that for years, like a couple of years, he's been posting his messages to YouTube and he gets an okay number of views. But this past week, he has increased his viewing on YouTube tenfold by simply doing one thing, taking his iPhone out, going to YouTube, opening the YouTube app, hitting the go live button and literally just walking around his streets, taking prayer requests. So people are chatting him you wow. know, in the chats, in the comments saying, Hey, I need prayer for my family. I need prayer for this person, that person. And he just walks around these neighborhood and prays for those people as he walks and then reads the next comment, prays for that person, reads the next comment. And he's getting 10 times the views. Like he said, I don't know why I have, you know, why do I do messages every week when these are the things that are getting the views, but that's the thing, right? He's meeting a felt need in the community right now. People are fearful. People are anxious. I would be encouraging your listeners who are in a small church, who are in a large church, who are in a small town, who are in a big town, if they're urban or if they're rural, start getting onto YouTube live and just taking live prayer requests. Let people, let people know, hey, this is a time of great fear, great anxiety. I'm feeling that as well, but I want to bring hope to people. So I want to just pray for you. If you're feeling fearful or anxious right now, I just want to pray. So that's one of the things that I've been trying to do, trying to encourage other people to do as well. And then, you know, leverage any other sort of technology you can to get to get in front of people and start meeting their felt needs. That's really what it's about. It's not about the technology. I don't even think it's about the content. I think it's about the connection. That's what people want right now. They want the connection piece. It's not about the content. It's not about the quality. You look at Jimmy Fallon, right? He's now doing the, the, his show every night from his house. You look at the Today Show. Al Roker on the Today Show is doing the weather from his kitchen table. Like, <laughs> it's not about the content. It's about the connection. Yeah. Wow. Well, <clears throat> I'll just give you three snapshots if you're listening right now. I saw a tweet um, because I follow our local, like um, Care 11 is our local news. And I know a few of the like weather people. And what I noticed, there's a, a single, uh, maybe 60 year old lady who watches the news every night. And she said, she tweeted this and they retweeted it, which is how I saw it. 
She's like, I'm 60 years old. I live by myself. I feel all alone until the weatherman comes online. Mm -hmm. And then I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm a part of something. Mm. And that just grabbed my heart, Dave, because I thought, okay, praise God that, you know what, she feels maybe love or like you just said, a digital connection. But that just shows me the untapped potential of in our Mm. town, the church to Mm -hmm. be online. I think of a second snapshot is there was an 18 year old who um, started, this is 11 years ago. He started listening to a podcast every week. He would listen to a podcast for 11, 11 years. Every week he's listened to a podcast. Mm. It helped change his life. It helped him discover a call to ministry. It helped him live life, making better decisions and living with fewer regrets. It happened to be the Your Move podcast. Mm. I've been listening to it since I was 16 or 18 years old every single week because it was one of the first podcasts. Mm -hmm. And, And Andy Stanley, he's done for one what he probably wished he could do for everyone. The third snapshot I'll give you is if you're listening, a church in California called Bethel. Redding, California is not the biggest city in California. They're a big church. They have like 8,000 members, but Mm. at the same time, they're one of the biggest YouTube audiences because of their worship, Mm -hmm. because of their messages, and they're reaching their town. They're reaching actually the world Mm -hmm. through repurposing, like Dave says, on purpose. So those are just three snapshots. The gal watching the news, my life through podcasts, and what Bethel Redding is doing. But Dave, let me follow that up by asking you, why was online ministry important before coronavirus? And why is it important now? And after coronavirus, why will it continue to be relevant and important? Yeah, yeah. Great questions. Oh my gosh. Well, I think, um, like I said, that this is where people are nowadays, um, especially when I think through the my kids' age. My, my girls are uh, 15, 17, and 19. And, you know, they grew up as digital natives. This is, this is the land they live in. They know how to navigate all sorts of technology that it took me a longer time. I feel like I'm a missionary in this space, right? Yes. I, got, I got helicoptered in and dropped down and had to learn the language. Um, but this is where, this is where people, people are making decisions. There, there's a generation of people who are making discoveries and decisions in the online environment. This is where they're learning about spirituality, but it's also where they're learning about society. It's where they're learning about sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and the church needs to be in that space. You know, I read a stat recently that said that this year alone, um, the online porn industry will make more money than Google, Amazon, Apple, and Netflix combined. Wow. We, the church needs to be in that space. That's where we need Mm -hmm. to be. We need to be ministering in there. We need to be be providing those answers. You know, Google talks about this thing called a zero moment of truth. And the zero moment of truth is when, for argument's sake, you want to buy, I'm just, I'm just looking at you, Josiah, you want to buy a bomber jacket. You've looked online, you've done all your research, you've, (laughs) you've, You've you've checked prices, you've checked styles, and now you're at that point where it's in your cart and you're about to press buy on Amazon or wherever it is, right? That just before you hit the return key or the the buy button, that's called the zero moment of truth. And companies spend huge amounts of money to make sure that when a, a consumer is at their zero moment of truth, that they're the ones that they're looking at, that they're the product they're about to buy. Like they spend 
millions of dollars a year, billions of dollars a year on social media advertising, on Google advertising to get to that point where they are in that zero moment of truth. That's how it works for a consumer. But every single day, people are reaching a zero moment of truth about things that are really important, not about bomber jackets, not about products. They're, they're looking for answers to things like, how do I be a better parent? How can I be a better husband? How can I save my marriage? Where can I find hope? How can I get rid of these suicidal thoughts? People are online right now searching for answers to those questions. And this is where the church needs to be in that zero moment of truth. We need to be flooded online spaces with so much hope, with so much inspiration, with so much encouragement that when people get to those moments of truth, they find the answers that they're looking for from people of faith. You know, this is where I, one of the things that I, I would lean into here is something that Andy Stanley says all the time. Wouldn't it be great if the church's reputation was, if Christians, everybody who follows Jesus, if their reputation online was, that was where I go to to find hope. I don't know if I believe, I don't know if I agree with them about the whole Jesus thing. I don't know if I believe everything I've read in the Bible, but you know what? Those Christians, they bring more hope online than anybody I know. I follow this Christian and I don't agree with what he says. And I don't, don't know if there's, if I'm, I don't know if I believe in the whole heaven thing, but man, he provides the most encouraging content and the most inspirational content. And that's why I follow that person or that girl or that guy. That's where I, why I think we should be in that space. That's why I think we have to make those connections. Like I said before, it's not about the content as much as it is about the connection. And the digital world is not getting smaller. It's getting bigger, right? It's impacting more and more of our lives. And we've got to find more and more opportunities to, to, to get personal and make those connections. That's one of the reasons why, and I don't know if you guys have seen me do this, but one of the things I've been doing over the last couple of months is literally posting my my phone number on Instagram and posting my phone number on Twitter and saying, Hey, if you need hope right now, if you need somebody just to, just to pray for you or just to listen, then I want you to text me. And I put my phone number out there to thousands of people. And so many people are saying to me, well, why are you doing that? Dude, you, you crazy. I'm like, no, because this phone is the most personal thing a generation owns. This is where they get all their news, all their information, all their, 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 their discoverings, their learnings are happening in, in this little rectangular space, right? And mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that I'm in that space with them. In fact, I would say to your listeners right now, if you have any questions about anything I'm talking about, about how to get on online space, or if you just need some hope, some inspiration, then I want you to text me 201-267-2156. That's my, like, text me. I will answer personally wow. because this is where pastors need to be right now. 201-267-2156. Please text me. Let me prove that to you. I just want to, I just want to pray for you and give you some hope and some, hopefully some inspiration and encouragement. That's so good. Amazing of you to do that for our listeners. Yeah. Well, Dave, we've come to the part of the interview or whatever you want to call it segment conversation where... we're having a chat i feel like with your family now yeah see there we go <laughs> so we um we will have five in five I mean we have five questions that you can answer in less than five minutes okay you can do it is there a timer is something going to happen if i go six minutes <laughs> uh, yes and no no <laughs> yeah i'll see what i can do i'll see what i can do if you reach that, it's the zero moment of truth, and you have to find out what. Yeah. Oh, ooh, that's good. That's good. Nice. 
Well played. All right, Dave, are you warmed up? I was doing my Michael Phelps, so I don't know why, but it just feels like we need to warm up. <laughs> All right, so question number one, Dave, is what trends do you see in your travels happening across the landscape of young adult ministry in the church today? Wow. Um, trends. Um, I, I think um, I'm, what I'm glad to see is that people are becoming more online savvy and they're heading more into that space. So there are a lot more uh, lot more YouTubers who are actually followers of Jesus and putting positive content, which I really, really like. I'm, I'm really thrilled with that. In fact, some of the biggest YouTubers in the world people wouldn't know are actually followers of Jesus. They just don't talk about that content really out loud, but, mm -hmm. but it underlines everything. And when you find out, you go, oh, that's why things were so positive with them. So I love that that's happening and that churches in general, regardless of their size, are becoming more aware of this uh, ability to not just connect with people for one hour every Sunday, but to stay connected for the other 107, 167 hours of the week on social media. So that is a trend that I, I love that I'm seeing. Obviously, with the coronavirus, it's, it's taken off exponentially. But I do believe that it will stick around, that people will stay connected throughout the week on, on social media and on technology. That's great. It's amazing. <clears throat> and we're right on time with track. We're right on track with time. So speaking of trending, one of the hashtags that I think you started, it's hashtag stuff I want my daughters to know. And you post stuff <laughs> often. I'm looking at one right now. Yeah. And we are about to come parent, become parents in six weeks for the first time. And I see these tweets and we don't know boy or girl, we're going to find out surprise. So it'll be fun. Yeah. But Dave, what's maybe a piece of parenting advice you have for us or what's one thing God has taught you you wish that every parent knew? Oof. Um, does my time stop when you ask the questions? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. That's good to know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I did start that hashtag stuff I want my daughters to know because, like, strategic about my social media presence. So, uh, my Instagram, uh, about four years ago, I stopped using that to post photos of my food or my feet beside the pool or anything. Um, and instead, I leveraged my Instagram to teach people scripture, to teach, to do Bible devotions. Mm -hmm. So I'm strategic there. And when it comes to, and, and I tell my girls all the time, hey, long after I'm gone, you'll, you'll be able to find everything your dad knew about Jesus and the Bible and faith on Instagram. So just keep going back to there. And when it comes to Twitter, that's where I provide some leadership stuff that I've learned along the way. So I tell my girls, long after I'm gone, go to that hashtag stuff. I want my daughter to know, and that's everything your dad knew about ministry and leadership and anything like that. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to the actual question of advice, I would say this: this is the piece of advice that I, I would give new parents. Understand that your kids will follow your example more than they follow your opinion. Mm. I think often we give an opinion, hey, you should do this, you should clean up your room. It's no point me saying that if my room isn't clean, right? Um, you need to help your mum around the house. There's no point doing that if I'm not helping mum around the house. Does that make sense? Yep. So your kids, and I think it's, you know, I think this is the model that Jesus would have, would have given as well, right? When you think of the 12, and I'm going to say something controversial here. When you think of the 12, uh, the 12 teenage boys who followed him around for, for three years, he didn't just give them his opinion. He showed them how to live. They stayed with him 24-7 for three years. When, when he ate, they ate. When he went to a party, they went to a party. When he got mad, they, they were watching to see what it was like when Jesus got angry, when Jesus was happy, when Jesus was sad. 
like they followed his example. And so I would say that to parents, uh, your children will follow your example more than they follow your opinion. That's great advice. Well, Dave, we've been grilling you with questions, but we're going to flip the script here. If you could ask us one question today, what would it be? Wow. I wasn't prepared that for this one. Is this part? Yeah, no, I didn't. There's probably like 12 different things I would want to say. First of all, where did you get that bomber jacket from? Would be number one. Number two, um, who are the people that you are seeing who are influencing the capital C church in an online space? Who are the people you're watching? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll answer. Okay. Bomber jacket. I had a zero moment of truth walking through a mall and I stopped at <laughs> Lululemon and I saw it on the mannequin and he couldn't take his <laughs> eyes off him. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> what about the second question? Online <laughs> presence. Oh man. I think one person I really do enjoy, and just that I both like both these individuals, and we've been following them for quite a few years. And obviously, one of them is Andy Stanley. I'm um, learning a lot about love, sex, and dating. And um, mm. and the other one is uh, Louis Giglio. So we've mm. been to from Passion Conference to all those different things of seeing how do they do an online presence? How are they doing it now? I mean, we're tuning in at, at midnight when Louis is doing some things, and we're like. This is crazy to think that this is the condition of our world, but they're leveraging what God has given them in such a unique way and setting the tone for so many, um, I don't want to say smaller churches, but maybe churches that look up to them and how they yeah. can approach. So yeah. those are two big significant people um, that I've just, I don't know, I think we both have followed for quite a while. Maybe you a little longer than myself, but. Yeah, those guys, I listen to the, <clears throat> all, of, <clears throat> all of their sermons every week. Um, Joel Osteen. I like watching him. Dave Ramsey's a little bit outside of the church community, but then, okay, one for fun. Jack Vale is a YouTuber. Okay. He lives and but here's what he does. He does pranks, but then he preaches the gospel. He loves Jesus. And I met him wow. through Twitter. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you'd watch it and he's like making fart noises with the, uh, <laughs> A noisemaker, but he does it for Jesus. And he has like 1.5 million YouTube subscribers. Wow. Jack Vale. 440 million views on YouTube. And it's wow. all for the glory of God and just to help people smile. If you want to hey, laugh, I love you cry, that. You could watch him. Yeah. Jack Vale. A yep. renovated um, whoopee cushion, I guess you could say. <laughs> Handheld whoopee cushion. He walks around <laughs> Targets and Walmarts. And I'm just like, no way. Like, what is he going to do? <laughs> But you walk away that. with your eyes just filled with tears because you're laughing so hard with people's responses. And yeah, then he shares the gospel. So he's in love with Jesus and making people laugh through the craziest things, I guess. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm going to check him out for sure. I love that. That's a great suggestion. There's a, there's a group, uh, one of the biggest YouTube channels in the world is Dude Perfect. Yes. And all of those guys are Christians. Wow. And if you follow them on Twitter, that's where they, like, everything is just you know, church and faith and scripture. And it's so fantastic because they're influencing an entire generation because they got 40 million followers on, on YouTube. Like it's crazy. Like I love that sort of thing. I love it. Wow. So back to you, Dave, if you would be willing to tell us one of the most epic failures you've ever experienced, what would it be and why? Gosh, epic failures. I've had so many epic failures. 
that's okay it's not epic it's not probably the most epic but it's the very first one that jumps into my head okay so i'm just going to go with whatever first pops in so i remember uh when i was uh when i was like 19 years old i was in the main street of the town where i grew up and i was driving in uh i was the passenger in the car with a friend of mine and he um he i said to him hey i need to just jump out run into this store and, and grab some stuff can is that okay so he stops the car in the middle of the main street i jump out he and he's going to go around and do a block i come uh you know get whatever i need to get i can't remember what it was came out saw his car he parked and jumped into the passenger seat of the car and closed the door started to put my seatbelt on and looked mm -hmm. over and there was this woman <laughs> an old woman sitting there shocked terrified <laughs> and i just looked at her and went you're not my friend kevin and got out of the car i'm still embarrassed by it like i got into the wrong car ridiculousness never told anybody i literally i never said anything to my mate i don't talk about that so now you just heard it for the very first time <laughs> I love it. We all have those embarrassing moments, so we can learn and live by them, right? All right, Dave, final <laughs> That's question. That's all you can do. <laughs> if you could tell a group of uh, pastors or young adult leaders or ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Hello? Oh, I got okay. you back. Internet connection is unstable. Let's get one more time. Okay. I got Here's you back. All right, so if you could leave a group of pa uh, young adult pastors or college pastors with one thing, what would you leave them with today? Like leave them with like advice or leave them with something? Like a, Either a material or. thing. It's an alternate bookending, you get to choose. Um, oof, yeah, I mean, uh, there's lots of advice out there. So I would leave them with something. And I think I would leave them with an iPhone 11 Pro Max with one app on it only, and that would be YouTube. Oh. And on that YouTube channel would be an, an infinite number of potential followers. That's what I would leave them with and tell them to do their best. Wow. Here's the reality. Everybody already has that. Everybody has the opportunity to have an infinite number of followers, not because you want followers, but because you wanna have influence. And so I would be saying to them, here's the phone, you got everything you need in one device. Here's the app. Here's the channel. Now just go and change the world. Reach people. Yeah. I feel like that's the answer to the question we were talking the other day. Josiah's like, Micah, I feel with this COVID virus, I just feel like the real question of if you can get stranded on an island with anybody, this is the moment of truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it kind right. of feels like that same thing. If you could get stranded with one thing and it was yeah. a tool that you could use, it would be exactly what you just said. <laughs> Yeah, see, I, I, I really think that the Apostle Paul would crush YouTube. He would be all over it, right? I really yeah. think he would because he'd know this is the tool to reach a lot of people and reach an entire generation of people and teach them, introduce them to Jesus for the first time. That would be huge. I love it. Man, Dave, I've got a YouTube channel. Haven't posted in a while, just being vulnerable. And now the whole time I'm like, I've got an iPhone 11 Pro Max. You have two weeks. <laughs> I got to get going. And so I feel like you just spoke into my life on a personal level. And I pray mm. that, and I believe that you spoke into a lot of young adult pastors yeah. and college pastors. So Dave, thank you so much for a great conversation today. You're welcome, Josiah. I want to well, leave you with a challenge. 
I want you to share your YouTube channel to your listeners right now. And I want to challenge you to get on and do some YouTube lives where you literally just pray for the people who are following that channel and who are listening to this podcast. Would you be willing to take up that challenge? Bring it. I'm, I'm going. And I'm going to All tell right. you how it goes. He's got my number. Yeah, see? <laughs> uh, well, guys, you can find out more about Aussie Dade, North Point Community Church, and his other resources when you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as social media platforms at youngadults.today. So until next time, we're with Dave Adamson. This is Mike Andrew Sai signing off. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.